Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Over the past few weeks together, we have been listening to the invitation of Jesus to those who would pay attention to his words as he welcomed them, invited them into the kingdom. And as they came into the kingdom of God, he invited them to enter in a particular way, and that was in the way of a child, like little children. And so this week, as we wrap up this series, I want to start by reviewing uh, some of the terms we looked at last week. I thought it might be helpful to have those all on one screen as we look at these uh, terms and distinctions. We saw that to be childish, childish, not childlike, is to have a stunted sense of power. It's to see power as something scary, something paralyzing, rather than as an honor, as an invitation, and as a responsibility. One aspect of being childish is to have the capacity, the opportunity to act, but to remain frozen in fear instead. To be adult-like, on the other hand, is to be unafraid to be powerful to recognize that God has actually given us agency, the ability to make a difference, and then to be willing to act on that opportunity, even if it means we have to sacrifice on behalf of others. And then similarly, to be adultish is to be afraid to be powerless. When we're adultish, we feel like we should have more control Things should be going more the way we want them to go. It freaks us out when we don't have our way or have the power we wish or want to have. To be childlike, on the other hand, is actually to be at ease with our own limits of our own power. To recognize we're not in charge of everything. We're not responsible for everything and everyone. If we're childlike, we will trust that our Heavenly Father truly has our best interests in mind and that he has us in the palm of his hands. Entering the kingdom of God like a child then is to walk in trust that we've been invited into something bigger than us and that we've been invited by someone bigger than us. Let me say that again. To enter the kingdom of God like a child is to trust, even with a sense of awe and wonder, that we've been invited into something way bigger than us, by someone who is much, much bigger than us. To enter the kingdom like a child is to trust that God is truly for us, that God is a truly good parent to us, that God is able to do the things we simply can't. Entering God's kingdom like a child is also to trust that God has given us a measure of power to get important things done, that we've been given a role to play for the sake of the kingdom and for our neighbors around us. Knowing how awesome our dad is gives us a sense that we can do anything he wants us to do. Having childlike faith means we haven't outgrown or adulted into thinking that anything is either beyond us or beneath us. Jesus calls us to follow him and to enter the kingdom like little children. And it's an extravagant invitation, this kingdom invitation. The things he invites us to are a bounty. 
Jesus knows, he understands fully that, that the Father's love and power and goodness and mercy and provision are beyond measure. And Jesus wants all of his brothers and sisters, us, to get in on these things. We heard read from the prophet Isaiah this morning, this generous call of God, this invitation Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you, will have, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Children who are hungry and thirsty usually don't go to the supermarket. They go to their parents. They go to their parents because they trust that their parents will give them what they need. And when we find ourselves spiritually famished, spiritually parched, we are invited not to figure it out on our own, but to go to the banquet table where God invites us to dine seated with our brother, Jesus. He invites us to feast on his words, on his presence, on his goodness. And we hear an echo of this invitation in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus invites those who listen to, to come to him with all their weariness and burdens and lay them at his feet. In his presence, he promises they will find rest. They will find refreshment for their souls. And they'll also discover, they'll also take up a new way, a new rhythm of living. They'll yoke up with Jesus. They'll attach themselves to him, to his person, to his teachings, and they'll learn from the master how to do this thing called life, how to live as a child of God, how to live as a faithful disciple, how to mature as a disciple of Christ without losing our childlike character. Jesus promises the yoke of his instruction will, will fit us well. The only burdens he'll lay on us will be light ones. Not necessarily easy ones, but burdens that are life-giving rather than life-draining. A yoke is used to, to couple together a team of oxen. And farmers in the time of Jesus would often have used a yoke to, to, to match, to partner an older, more mature ox with a younger one that needed to learn the ways of oxdom. It was this apprenticeship, forced coupling, so one could learn from the other. And as they were yoked, they were closely and intimately connected. You can picture two oxen close, walking side by side, even kind of bumping into each other because they were so intimately connected. The apprentice ox would really have no excuse for not watching and learning from the one who knew better. And Jesus calls us to yoke up with him to stay close to his side, to attach ourselves to him, to spend time with him in prayer, to spend time in God's word as we see the life of Jesus unfold before our eyes in the pages of the Gospels, 
in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Jesus uses this yoke image to remind us that we are meant to stick close to him. And it reminds us of another image that Jesus used where he spoke about this intimate connection between himself and his disciples. A few weeks ago, we spoke about Jesus' image of the grapes attached to the vine that gave them life. We read in the Gospel of John that Jesus told his friends, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes or cleans, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As I mentioned, we looked together at this passage a few weeks ago, and in the time since, I've been pondering this passage and this imagery of, of the clusters of grapes clinging to a vine. And I've wondered, how is it, how might it come about that a disciple of Jesus would find himself or, or herself detached from the vine? Jesus says, stick close, remain in me, stay attached to the vine. So how might someone become detached? How might we find ourselves, even those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, somehow not abiding, not remaining in the vine, not clinging to Jesus with the tenacity of a cluster of grapes to a grapevine? And I'm sure there have been some people who have uh, at one point decided to try to follow Jesus and maybe have given up, have, have said, you know, I actually just don't want to do this anymore. And in a way, maybe they've reached up kind of with their own pruning shears and, and clipped that stem and detached themselves and bailed out. I'm sure that's happened. But I also recently was reminded of the phrase, death by a thousand paper cuts. And I've wondered, I've wondered if somehow this might happen to us as grapes on the vine as well. I've wondered about our connection with Jesus and if sometimes there's not a massive lopping off, and not an instant disconnection, but instead some sort of slow and incremental micro-slicing, bit by bit. A decision here, a choice there. And so we end up slicing and, and chipping and tugging at the vine, the vine that nourishes us, that keeps us alive, that gives us power to follow Christ, we commit seemingly small actions that perhaps add up over time. The twist and kink the stem. Acts of selfishness and self-centeredness. 
decisions that are driven by fear rather than faith, lusts that are fed, and temptations that are given into, independence that we lean into because it seems like the adult and grown-up thing to do. We find ourselves outgrowing our childlike faith, drifting slowly away from the vine, finding other places to to feed and to find drink other than the, the banquet table to which God invites us. I wonder if this might be a way we find ourselves detached from the vine. Because Jesus calls us to to cling close, to stay close to him, to live out our identity and destiny as fruitful clusters of grapes. He says that's what you're meant for and that's what brings the Father glory. And Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He says, actually, if you become detached apart from me, you will find that you can do nothing. You can't do anything. He doesn't say you'll find that you can do less. He doesn't say you'll find that you can only pull off C-grade work. He says you can do nothing at all. And so our connection to the vine is, it's absolutely vital. It's not a nice thing if we can manage the, the time to make it happen. As Pastor Mandy Smith puts it, Jesus' teaching on the vine of life helps us remember our umbilical cord need for God as the source of all life. And as we cling, as we abide in Christ and seek to remain in him, we continue to receive strength from him as the power and nourishment of a vine flows to the grapes. We continue to learn from him and hear from him as we are co-yoked with him. We learn to live as kingdom people, continuing to grow up in Christ while somehow remaining steadfastly childlike. And we continue to hear the invitations of Jesus to rest like a child, to receive the things of God like a child, and then to respond like a child. To respond to God in childlike, not childish ways. In her book, Unfettered, Mandy Smith grapples with this need to rest and receive and respond as kingdom people while somehow still sticking close to the vine. She writes, it's possible to to imagine how to rest like that, like a cluster of grapes, but how do we live like that? Unlike branches and babies, we've got to get up and do stuff. How are we supposed to parent, work, make decisions, and lead like a branch that's connected to a vine, like a baby in the womb. What does it mean to rely on Jesus' life connection even when we're actively using our agency and gifts? And we see uh, that Smith's pondering actually leads her back to the image of the yoke in the invitation of Jesus in Matthew 11. Because in those words and in that invitation, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. He invites us to put on his yoke, not the world's yoke. Because the world's yoke, Smith says, sets us up for cycles of despair. The world's yoke says, your life is your own. So go, fix, control, understand, do, respond, respond, respond. Smith argues that when our efforts, while shouldering this frantic yoke of the world actually seems to produce positive results, we end up wanting to take the credit. We find the world's emphasis on self-sufficiency actually reinforced and it perpetuates the cycle. When we can pull things off on our own, it feels 
pretty good. But this, the world's yoke, the world's yoke and cycle also lead to stress and anxiety and frustration because it doesn't often produce the results we crave. We find ourselves saying, well, I'm doing everything I can. Why isn't this working? We may find ourselves in such a place of desperation that we cry out for another way. There's got to be another way to live. And it's in that moment we hear the invitation of Christ. Come to me, you who are weary, you who are burdened. I'll give you rest and I'll give you another yoke, my yoke. The rest that Christ invites us to isn't isn't just a life of, of leisure and passivity, It's rest that allows us to catch our breath and then to partner, to yoke up with Jesus. To take our place beside him in that yoke and then to learn from him, to receive from him the secrets and lessons of the kingdom. As we're yoked with Jesus, we get to watch him, get to see the things that he values, get to understand how he lives life and how he walked this earth. And then as we find ourselves apprenticed to him, we respond. We join Christ in the work that he's doing and we find that we're empowered not just by our own gumption but by the Holy Spirit of God, nourished by the true vine that is Christ himself. Because the world says you need to suck it up and just do it on your own. And Jesus says, lay it down and do it my way by my power. Let me share one more quote from Pastor Mandy Smith as I conclude this morning. She writes that Christ is not in us only as individuals. He calls the church his body. And just as we personally are welcome to come to him, we also find ourselves welcomed into his body, the church, where each of us can be found in community. Together, we are Christ for one another. The actual human body of Jesus carried our pain on an ancient cross. And the ongoing body of Jesus, the church, in the form of community made of human bodies, also carries one another's pain and holds it because this body knows something greater than the pain. We've been baptized into the death of Christ and wrapped up in his resurrection. And so this is how we walk around every day, living in the same Lord, with the same Lord living in us. Friends, the one who calls us is faithful. The one who calls us and invites us to feast on his presence and goodness is truly good. It's okay for us to go scampering to his side like a little kid because this is a father who wants to be with us and wants us to be with him. He welcomes us. And we find that the closer we are to him, the closer we are to one another, our kingdom sibs, brothers and sisters in Christ, who share one Lord, one Savior, who share one Holy Spirit uniting us and within us, and who share one Abba Father. Amen. This morning on the way in, you received a couple of things. There were a lot of supplies being handed out. You should have received um, a card that is not the yellow highlights card, but I think it's a greenish card. I'm colorblind, so I think it's greenish. Greenish blue, maybe. Um, And you also received one or two pipe cleaners. 
And so we're gonna take some time this morning uh, just to reflect and respond. You'll see some questions uh, that might guide your time on the front of that card. You'll also notice that the back of that card is blank. And so if you want to draw or doodle or write a poem, uh, go for it. And then the pipe cleaners, um, I guess if you brought a pipe, you could clean it. Um, but if not, if not, feel free to uh, create and shape and bend however you want to use those. Uh, maybe it's honestly just to fiddle with that as you listen for God's spirit in these, in these moments ahead. But maybe it's to create something that reflects uh, a, resp a heart response to God this morning. So this time is, is for you. This time is for us as the church. I invite you to, to take a few minutes and uh, think about these invitations of God. The invitation of God to the table of bounty where everything he offers is free of charge. The invitation of Christ to rest and relief and to a yoke that fits well. And the invitation of God's Holy Spirit as the Spirit leads us into whatever is next. I invite you to pray with me. Father, Abba, we thank you that we are your children and we thank you for our brother Jesus. We thank you for brothers and sisters in this family of Christ into which you've adopted us. God, by your Spirit's work in us, would you grow us up Mature us into the kind of grown-ups, childlike grown-ups that you want us to be. Teach us to stay faithfully yoked to our Lord Jesus, to cling tightly to the true vine. Bless this time of listening, of reflection and response. We ask in the name of Jesus, our Savior and brother, amen.